Good morning. Make sure everything's turned down to a tolerable level here. Uh, yeah, so good morning. This is uh, Mike, and you're listening to Driving Theology. Uh, it is a beautiful, sunny, and brisk autumn day. Uh, I'm about to head to my place of business, and uh, you are coming along with me. Um, there's a lot of uh, noise, of course, when recording in a car. Uh, and this car is a very noisy car. <laughs> it's it's very small, and uh, uh, it's what, what they call a K car. I've been driving this for over a year now. Uh, still looking to get into another one. Hopefully that'll happen soon, but anyway, things being as it is, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so I record this podcast as I drive to work every Wednesday. And I realized something <clears throat> that I just passed uh, nine years of this podcast. I started the end of 2015. It's now the end of 2024. Um, yeah, nine years. Nine years and over 300, uh, 300 episodes recorded. Probably somewhere around 300. What is it? sure. Now the actual number is not the number that's on my podcast. The, the numbers on the, on the podcast are actually, I believe, numbered just for my, uh, my solo podcasts. And I haven't done anything but solo podcasts in quite a while. But I did for a while uh, have guests and those were kind of a separate series um, and they were not numbered like that. They were called a group cat. I forgot what I called them, actually. It's been so long since I did it. <laughs> I would like to have my friends back on sometime, though. See how they've done. Uh, let you talk to them again. Uh, yeah, I was, I was saying today is a December day. Uh, we're in, what, the third week of Advent, perhaps? Approaching the third week of Advent, at the very least. Uh, we are... Far away from Christmas. Let's see. So today I think is the 13th. Uh, so we're about 12 days from Christmas. There you go, the 12 days of Christmas. Um, wow, that's it's really too soon. I'm not going to be ready for Christmas this year. I have a lot of things that I'm doing between now and Christmas uh, besides my normal workload. I'm also preparing for uh, three three performances. Wow, the mountains are really clear there. Sorry, just uh, putting a little water on my parched throat. Yeah, I'm performing, uh, preparing for three performances, which will happen in four days. So I'll have three different performances of three different programs in the space of four days. Uh, the first of which comes up a week from tomorrow. Whoa, a week from tomorrow. It's kind of getting scary now. Um, 
And then I've got one on uh, the 23rd and then on Christmas Eve, the 24th as well. Uh, the one next Thursday is the one that's most up in the air uh, because it's going to be a jazz performance and, and the guy that I've been performing with has not really been available the last week. So we haven't nailed down the uh, program and hopefully we'll do that in the next couple days. Uh, I've got to get with him and, and uh, go through some music and go through some stuff and decide on some stuff. And that'll give me a much better idea about what I need to prepare for specifically uh, but that's jazz too so you know it's a little bit more a little bit more free I suppose um, the other two will be more classical classical performances um, and with the jazz it, it's more about in the moment knowing exactly what to do when and and what not to do and you know, allowing for solos and allowing for, uh, you know, what do you call it, inspiration of that moment, right? Um, to be able to feel and to allow for, uh, which is a very important aspect of jazz. You know, it's also called improvisation and uh, other things, but... Um, that aspect of jazz kind of makes it challenging sometimes um, because you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, and a seasoned jazz musician, which I am not, uh, kind of knows how to feel their way through that and is used to that happening all the time. And so that's the norm. Uh, and, you know, you make of it what you do and and you have what's called chops, right? You're kind of, you have all kinds of tricks up your sleeve and in your bag that you can, you can pull out uh, when needed to navigate through those moments. Uh, and if not, you have the creative ability on the spot uh, to make something new and fresh uh, that, that doesn't wreck the structure of the song, right? And hopefully, hopefully, uh, adds to the um, experience. And that's kind of daunting, right? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of a daunting task. It's, it's something that uh, I have admired from a distance for quite some time, but I've only been really exploring it for the last year or so. Uh, and as, a, as mostly a classical musician, I'm, I'm used to deciding up front what you're going to do, when you're going to breathe, um, and then doing it that way every time, right? Now, it doesn't mean you can't make decisions um, based on how you're feeling or whatever, because, you know, sometimes circumstances are what they are. Um, you know, you may or may not be physically up to... Uh, the song you're singing that day or your, your breath may not last as long as it usually does or you may be a little bit more nervous than usual or you know any number of things that can happen uh, but for jazz it's more about in the moment and for for classical it's more about your preparation ahead of time and the preparation is about um, being true to the um, music right uh, trying to um, 
faithfully convey what the what the um, composer wished for that piece, you know, in as much as possible, which makes you uh, part historian as well, being that a lot of these pieces were written two, three, or even four hundred years ago. Um, you have to do a little research and know what's appropriate for the for the time period. Um, and then, secondly, it's about having your voice in shape. It's about it's about your voice being able to reach the heights uh, and the volume. Which is how mostly you express yourself in classical music, right? It's there are always uh, notes that are thrillingly high, uh, which uh, is something that has been left out of jazz. Now, pop music, rock, pop, and and all the other uh, kinds of music around that around those genres are kind of a mixture of both, right? They're they're kind of a a little bit of a fusion of the two, harmonically quite different, but uh, as far as uh, liking high notes and, and uh, ridiculously high notes, but also uh, the ability to Im Im uh, uh, improv, right? Uh, uh, what's the word? To, to use improvisation. Is there a verb for improv? I wanted to say improvide, but I know, I know that's not right. I'm sorry. My, I slept a little late today. My mind is not quite there. So Im, improvise, that's what it is. The ability to improvise uh, as well as sing thrillingly high notes uh, is something that's part of especially rock and often pop music. Uh, anyway... The fact that these performances are going to be in such close proximity to one another uh, just kind of makes it a little distrustful for me. So uh, I've got to work today pretty much all day, but then I've got several days where hopefully I can really get into the uh, music and the, uh, the the depths of of what I'm going to do and get all prepared and then you have to prepare all everything you're going to wear as well and it's just you know it's just a lot and then it's all happening right at Christmas <laughs> when I should be you know thinking about gifts for, for my daughters and my wife uh, I'm instead thinking about whether or not I'm going to be able to get through my performances and do a good job my last performance is the longest um where I'm going to have to do the most, <clears throat> and it is a uh, just a 30-minute kind of a mini uh, Christmas recital that I'll do in a church, uh, but I really haven't solidified my program for that yet either. Going to have to do all of this in the next couple days. Going to have to be working hard to get all that ready. Uh, but that's the gig. That's the gig, especially with me. And then, you know, I had a cold the last couple of weeks, and that kind of stops you from doing uh, as much as you might be able to do otherwise. So anyway, yeah, end of the year. Um, chaos for musicians. Uh, a lot of us are... <laughs>
a lot of us experience that and actually there are a lot of musicians most musicians probably are getting it much worse than I am especially if they live in the states um, there are always lots of performances that people are asked to, to be a part of and to perform in so here in Japan less fewer So anyway, uh, yeah, let's talk about today. Man, what's going on? Well, it, you know, we are in Advent, and, and we've gone through the uh, um, hope, peace and hope, and I think we've also got it, gotten into joy, uh, which has already um, kind of happened uh, this last week, and then the last one will be love. Um, and these words come up often in the New Testament and they're less often associated with Jesus uh, or at least the direct words that he says and more often associated with the way Jesus was in the world and what Paul said in his letters. Uh, Paul talks about, uh, for example, first of all, he talks about the definition of love, how he defines love, what love is what love isn't, uh, which he uh, talks about uh, in the uh, 13th chapter of First Corinthians. Uh, and then <clears throat> later he talks about, or maybe later, maybe earlier, I'm not sure, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. That if you, if you have the Spirit in you, uh, then you have, you know, peace, hope, joy, love, all these things, right? Um, and I've talked at length on this. Um, I'm not sure there's anything left to say except to maybe uh, talk it out and, and maybe I'll find uh, something new in the talking. And that's usually what, uh, kind of how it goes, kind of how it happens with me anyway. Um, did work out this time. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> So, there's so much debate today on what a Christian is. <clears throat> Sorry, it's going to be a little loud in here. I guess it always is. You're used to it. Uh, what a Christian is. What, what makes one a Christian? Uh, and, and first of all, the, you know, the term Christian is not something that Christians came up with, but they were called Christians because they were followers of the Christ. And so the idea of Christian was just a, you know, a little, those little Christs or those little people that follow the Christ. Uh, it was perhaps a derogatory term at first, uh, or, you know, whatever, but for whatever reason, Christians have, have adopted and embraced the, the term Christian. Um, and it's been used many, many years, uh, obviously. But if you were to ask somebody who does not follow Christ, who is not a part of a, a Christian church or organization or religion, uh, if you were to ask them what a Christian was, you would get some really interesting uh, definitions. Um, so... Perhaps Christianity has never been under 
the microscope as much as it is today. And really, nothing's been under the microscope as much as it is today because of the internet, right? Because people are so interconnected um, that information about all kinds of things is just everywhere. And really, we, we know more than we ever wanted to know about everything, um, quite possibly. Uh, but be that as it may, Christianity has never been under fire as much as it, it is today. And part of the reason is, is I think Christianity has been exposed for what it is. Christianity is a worldly system disguised as um, disciples of Jesus. It's a worldly system that wears the guise of Jesus over it. And a flimsy guise at that. And I think the, the flimsiness is what's been exposed. Um, and so back to you know, when I said, what, what does it mean to be a Christian, whether, whether or not you agree with that term or not? What, what is a Christian? Well, if you look at it from how it's played out, uh, it would not resemble what it should be, which is to be Christ-like, to be like Christ, to follow Christ, to do the things that Christ did, and to refrain from doing the Christ, things that Christ didn't, and to love those that Christ loved, and to model one's life after the life of Christ and to follow Christ no matter what. Uh, instead, Christianity has really become a wing of uh, oh, maybe the main wing of the, for one part, the uh, American Empire and throughout history wings of various empires uh, from the Romans uh, to uh, all of the all of the Greek uh, sorry all of the European countries Spain Portugal France England uh, Germany you name it everybody uh, used Christianity as a tool to further their agendas in their countries, whether it was to maintain their rule or to uh, to conquer territory or uh, to claim uh, some kind of divine um, uh, appointment, right? The uh, what is it? The divine right of kings, as it was called, I think. Uh, and so Christianity has been used as a tool, uh, I would say, since the time of Constantine, of empire, of whatever, whatever empire, especially in the West, uh, who had um, ambitions to take territory and to subjugate other people. Christianity has been one of the ways that that's been done. Now, what I love about the tradition that I grew up in is that it's always been trying to go back to a simpler time before Constantine got his claws on Christianity. It's always been 
you know, saying, let's get back to the Bible, let's get back to the New Testament church. Uh, now, the problem is, um, I think they went back to the wrong place. I think instead of going back to Jesus, uh, they went back to Paul uh, and, and largely ignored Jesus and embraced Paul. And so this is the second wave of uh, church that has been able to be manipulated by empire, the Protestants, right? Uh, now I'm a, another branch off of Protestantism um, called the Restorationists, right? The Restoration Movement. Uh, not that I really identify with them today, but that's the tradition that I grew up in nonetheless. Um, and so there were some good intentions but uh, it didn't play out well. In a lot of ways, they didn't go far enough. They, they, didn't, they didn't rediscover uh, Jesus. They kind of created a religion based on a flimsy version of, version of Jesus, but actually based on misinterpretations of the letters of Paul. Uh, and a lot of these groups called what, what's been come to uh, what has been come to known as uh, fundamentalism um, and there are many many branches of fundamentalism as well uh, but this idea of going back to the exact words of the Bible and nothing else right sola, sola scriptura is you know only scripture has kind of been the mantra, if you will, of these groups. Uh, and if you look a little closer, it really is only only my interpretation of scripture. <laughs> it gets narrower and narrower uh, the more and more you look into these various groups. But if we could just get back to Jesus as the last and truest revelation of who God is. I may rethink that, by the way, last and truest. Uh, I have a feeling that mankind is going to achieve, uh, by the grace of God, some, some measure of, of that, right? Uh, I think, I think, um, I think one day mankind will become like Christ. I, I just, if, if that's not what we become, what has it all been for? You know, I, I just wouldn't know. But if we could get back to Christ and look at Jesus as the, um, the best idea of who, of who Christ is, of who God is, of who Christ is, as seen in Jesus, and then emulate him, uh, and then continue to go forward, uh, being like him in the world, well, I, I, the world would change overnight, wouldn't it, if everybody suddenly started to do that. Uh, we, we've got so hung up on legalism of trying to follow this or that to the law, uh, when Jesus said it best, when he was asked 
what is the greatest commandment? And he said, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor unto yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your, yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all of the law is summed up in these two things. Love, and they're both love, right? And love is simple. Love is when you go forward and you consider others' needs before your own. Super simple. Super simple. You go forward, you, you live your life, but as you live your life, you consider others' needs above yourself. And if you do this, uh, you're following Christ. It's pure and simple. And really, there's nothing else you need to do sure a lot of people have figured you know tried to figure out ways to to circumvent this instead of doing this they they love god uh in in a very human way they they tell god how great he is and they continually uh go to a place and they you know sacrifice time and money uh in order to tell god how great he is and and uh they build large buildings and organizations and and uh, they, they try to do a lot of great things in God's name to somehow increase the reputa reputation of God because that's the only way you can love God. I mean, you, you've got an invisible God who not only is he invisible, he's also untouchable. And, you know, sometimes you can feel what you can't see. Take the wind, for example. <laughs> or maybe glass, right? Something that's transparent that you may not be able to see, but you can touch it. Um, God can't be touched. Uh, he, he can't very easily. I'm not, I'm not going to say no one's ever heard his voice, but uh, he, he perhaps can't be heard in the way that we're used to hearing all the other sounds in our daily lives. Uh, he can't be seen. He can't be weighed or measured, right? Uh, and so we're asked to love a God who is so different than us. He doesn't need anything. He needs nothing. He lacks nothing. Uh, and yet, if we can believe Christ, what we know about God is that he is the being that has poured his love onto his creation and asks us to share that same love with everyone around us. You see, I've come to know that there's no way to love God except to love your neighbor as yourself. The only way you can love God is to love your neighbor. There is no other way. There is no other way. For a God who lacks nothing, needs nothing. The only thing you can do is to love his creation as much as he loves it. And I think that ultimately means that all of his creation, whether it's human beings or trees or, or animals, the water, the air, uh, I suppose that it extends all the way to the, the, the stars and the planets moons uh, 
the only way you are able to love God is to love his creation. He doesn't need our constant bowing down and and supplications. What he asks for is for us to, to follow him, to follow Jesus means to to love people. It also means to... No, it doesn't also mean anything else. It just means love. But I suppose in love we could find... Uh, inside of love we could find many aspects of love. Whether it's protect or provide. Uh, encourage. Sometimes it means to defend. Um, now that's one that I'm I shy away from because defense is can have uh, violent connotations, and, and I hope that's not um, what I mean. But there may be a way to put yourself in harm's way in order to save another, to take to absorb violence as Christ absorbed violence on the cross uh, in order to to help another right Jesus Jesus said this he said no greater love does a man have than to lay down his life for his friends right to die for another person that's the that's the best way that you can show love right there's no there's no more um, emphatic way right to love somebody that'd be it (laughs) and so Paul wasn't wrong when he talks about what love is love is patient love is kind uh, love does not envy or boast. It keeps no record of wrongdoings, right? Um, love always hopes. Um, and he says the greatest of faith, hope, and love is love, right? Love is the greatest thing you can do. Um, he's not wrong when he says that. He's not wrong when he says the fruits of the Spirit are those things. In other words, if you have Christ living in you, if you're truly following Christ, then these are the kinds of things that will come forth from your life. Gentleness, self-control. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, I, you know, I think we all struggle living up to uh, some of these impossible standards. <clears throat> but it's not a zero-sum game. You know, it's, it's not about you have to do it all or, or, or nothing. I think it's about what the influence of Christ in your life looks like uh, and, and striving to be more like Christ so that we can love the world as Christ loved the world. 
And in doing so, you become Christ's love in the world. Right? That's what we become when we do that. We become the arm, the arms and the hands and the, the embrace of Christ. And it need, need not contain dogma or requirements, prerequisites, degrees, um, ordination. It doesn't need any of this. Yeah. Uh, so we started this podcast with asking what what is what is a Christian? What does a Christian look like? Um, and I think it's less about trying to judge whether one is a Christian or not, but but looking at yourself and asking yourself, am I exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit? Um, It's not about keeping score on others. It's not really about keeping score on yourself. You know, the way of love is, is good for you whether or not you get any direct benefits from it or not. It's good for you and it's good for the world. I mean, can you imagine getting to a place in your life where you don't care um, whether or not the, the money, all the money you had that you just gave to somebody else will ever come back? That, that you won't now go into debt? Uh, that you're not going to go hungry or naked or cold? Can you imagine getting to that place I mean, it would be total enlightenment, right? And I think it's the enlightenment that the Buddha was talking about. Reaching, reaching a plane of existence that is so other-centered uh, that you cease to, to care, or maybe I should say worry about yourself that you believe that Christ's love will pour to you from some other source instead of you having to provide for yourself. A lot of people will say it's a pipe dream, you know, that it's it, achieving this, this existence is impossible. And I think it's what the early uh, monks uh, the early, uh, do we call them aesthetics? I can't remember what we called them, but uh, the early fathers who went out into the desert to seek poverty and suffering in order to be cl- brought closer to Christ. I think it, it's similar to, to that longing. You know, for those of us who have so many attachments, though, like, you know, being a a father and a husband and and, uh, a boss or, you know, whatever you are in your job, people depend on you, you have connections. That life may be unattainable for you, at least in the moment. I suppose it's possible. 
the apostles, as far as we know, were all single except Peter. Peter had a mother-in-law. We assume he had a wife. Um, he seems to have been married. Um, we don't know too much about anyone else, as far as I remember, about them being married or not. Uh, but Peter made it work somehow. I don't know how Peter made it work. How did he take care of his wife and possibly his children and, and his mother-in-law uh, while, while living the life of, of an apostle? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, he probably struggled, just like you and just like me. It was probably tough for him. I don't know. But I do know uh, one thing. Loving your neighbor is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it's it's a worthy endeavor. There's value to pursuing that um, course. Going down that road. There's life down there. And it's eternal life. So as you get into the Christmas season, I'm sure you're going to come across people who are perhaps less fortunate than you. People who uh, may need assistance or uh, be without something that is uh, necessary for them. Even if they just feel it's necessary for them. I hope you take the time to uh, love your neighbor, whether that means, you know, people that live close to you or people you meet on the street or people that you see every day, you know, at work or around town. Um, loving your neighbor is not a difficult thing to um, find right it's a it's it's more of a position it's a it's a way of life it's it's the position that you place yourself in and i'm talking to myself and i'm probably preaching to the choir and i'm talking to myself at the same time it's not easy it's not easy at all not easy uh, but I hope you, uh, this season, encounter fruits of the Spirit and the true meaning of love. Uh, one place you can find it is in dwelling on and, and contemplating the incarnation of, of God in the, uh, in the body of Jesus, right, in the person of Jesus. Um, How Jesus left heaven as the king of kings and became a baby in a manger uh, and lived a life uh, much like much like you and me and then at the same time quite different than you and me 
So, yeah, I hope you guys have a great Christmas. I have gotten to my my job. I'm going to go love on some kids. All right, bye-bye.